I'm Susan Freeman. Welcome back to our Property She podcast brought to you by Mishkondorea in association with the London Real Estate Forum, where I get to interview some of the key influencers in the incredible world of real estate and the built environment. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Natasha Guerra. Natasha is a leading light in the UK tech startup world. She's the CEO of the co-working hub Runway East with over 1,800 members and 150 companies spread across four locations in London and Bristol. She also chairs the ICE List, a thriving community of over 300 entrepreneurs and investors working together to embolden the UK tech scene. Natasha's core interests lie in nurturing high-growth startups and building collaborative tech communities. Prior to Runway East and the ICE List, Natasha has contributed to the success of leading companies across Silicon Valley and London, as well as launching Task Firm, which provides on-demand, vetted freelancers to startups and entrepreneurs. So now we're going to hear from Natasha Guerra with her insights into the exciting world of tech startups, entrepreneurship and her plans for the future. Natasha, welcome to the studio. You play a key role in the startup world and uh, you co-founded Runway East in 2014 and you've got locations in London and Bristol. As CEO, you've said your mission is to be the backbone of the UK tech economy. So what actually inspired you to start the business back in 2014? If I tell you how Runway came about, I think if I take you back a little bit further than that to around 2011, I met a gentleman called Alex Hoy, who is currently the chairman of Runway East. He runs a company called Faction Skis, which is a fast-growing ski brand. He had a passion project called ICE, And ICE is a network for founders and investors in the tech community. And I joined him creating ICE and building this to the largest community in Europe for tech founders and entrepreneurs in that space. What happened was we kind of saw a great opportunity. ICE's real thing is helping the personal and professional lives of its members. The startup journey is one that is you know, it's a really tough challenge and people come, they're highs, there are lows, and you want someone to share those times with. People want to share their successes, their failures, their triumphs, their challenges in a kind of supportive environment. So ICE kind of does that in, in three ways. It does that through Cubes, which is creating forums, which people meet up and share experiences once a month. It does that through in real life events and trips. We take people skiing. We've been kind of all over the globe taking entrepreneurs and founders away away from their their day-to-day lives and creating an environment for them to connect and share. And it also does that through a mailing list. And through this platform, Runway East was born. Alex and I at the time were both working in another co-working space in London. And we knew each other and it was great to be able to share challenges that we were having on a daily basis and connect with each other and, and go for a drink sometimes when the day had been tough. And We kind of use the platform of ICE to start Runway East and create a home for those members to also call their workspace. And I understand that the ICE events are quite legendary and um, that I think you as chair actually are responsible for organising a lot of these events and you get all these interesting people together. There was a quote on one of the ICE films. uh, Somebody said, you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. And actually, I thought that was interesting. It sort of underlines the importance of spending time with people who you can learn from. And is that something that you've sort of taken through to Runway East, getting like-minded people together to bounce ideas off each other? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the key drivers that we have taken to Runway East. ICE is a lot about human connection. I think it's something that gets lost a lot in today's world. And that's something that I think is what makes it so popular and creates so much value for the people that join it. Um, and I think Runway East, we've taken that and really applied that to everything that we do at Runway East and made social connection a really core part of our proposition. Yes, I was interested by your Runway East flight code using the flight analogy. I think it's community first, being open, giving a damn and always thinking like an entrepreneur. How does that work? So what that's really all about is creating a customer-centric organisation. I think a lot of people think about being customer-centric as good hospitality or good customer service. And actually, a customer-centric organisation goes quite a lot further than that. And really, it's about putting the customer at the forefront of everything that you do, from brand awareness through to your referral scheme, through to every aspect that one of our members might touch. And I think it's it's how we we think about it when we hire people. We hire people that have an entrepreneurial ability, that are excited about startups. And it's about thinking about that element in everything that you do. An important part of all this is is then the sort of social connection, people feel happier. And do your startups work together? Or is it a question of getting ideas from each other and just being in this sort of incubator environment where everybody is trying to do something new and interesting? So it's not about working together. I think it's fundamentally about the concept of going to work with your friends is just so much more exciting than I think going to work with people you don't know. So having a friend in a next door office when you come in and you chat about what happened last night or, you know, what's going on in your businesses or a challenge that you're having. And I think friendship is something that gets overlooked by a lot of spaces. Actually, people are becoming lonelier than ever in today's society. And I think like recent surveys suggest that it's actually a much larger problem than we think on par with obesity and substance abuse. And actually, I think that's something that we really work hard to try and bridge that gap at, at Runway East to make sure that people feel like they are connected with other people. And this is a social place where they can make friends and have fun. It sounds as if it's working. One of your London Bridge startups said, Every trip to the kettle is an opportunity to learn something. I thought that was uh, really nice. Better than uh, being sort of stuck in a little cubicle on your own working. Um, yeah, the world of work is definitely changing. And are you selective about the startups that you take on? Do you sort of focus on sort of making sure that they'll fit with the community that you've already got? Yes. So we pride ourselves on being a curated community. We reject around 30% of people that come through the door looking for space. And we do that both for our members and also for them, because the members that we're bringing into the space, they want to learn from each other, they want to grow with each other. And it's actually not a suitable space for people that aren't, you know, that aren't like minded and aren't on the same journey. So I think it might be interesting to talk about some of the members, what sort of business areas they're in, how they've grown. Are there any startups that you are particularly proud of that have just rocketed to fame? Oh, so many. Um, <laughs> couldn't even count them. I think it's, it's easy to talk about the startups that have raised a lot of money and our startups collectively have raised over £300 million. But I think for me, the startups that I love the most, the ones that I really think are changing the world we live in, and that's a really great thing to be a part of. Some members that we've got at the moment, uh, a company called Beam, they 
help homeless people get off the streets by providing work support. So basically, it's like crowdfunding. You go and you would crowdfund to become an electrician or a beautician is another one that I sponsored recently. And I think they're doing something really meaningful, tackling like a really big problem in the world. And so I think those are the types of businesses that get most excited about. One thing I was wondering, just looking at Runway East, is whether you're a tech business or a property business. We don't consider ourselves a property business. We consider ourselves a, well, we're an operator. I think the co-working market is moving in a quite similar way to how the hotel market did. We also aren't really a tech business. We're a platform for tech companies, but also not a tech business. And I think for us that not being a tech business is quite important because the focus on, you know, a lot of other companies are focusing on data, data, data. And first and foremost, we put human connection first. And that's always our priority. So that's how you you would differentiate yourself from the other companies providing flexible workspace that it's about is about community and people first and foremost. What sort of leasing arrangements do you enter into? I mean, I saw that at, at London Bridge, I mean, you're doubling the size, which is pretty amazing after just a few months. But do you enter into traditional leases or do you have partnering arrangements with landlords? So because we don't consider ourselves a a property business, we actually partner directly with landlords on a kind of, I think, management agreement operator model basis. So we work directly with the landlord and they share in the upside when the space is going well and is full. So at London Bridge, we initially took 25,000 square feet back in November. The building is owned by Great Portland Estates. We took another 25,000 square feet in May. Did you expect to expand so quickly? I mean, were you surprised at the amount of take-up south of the river? I think south of the river is a really exciting place for tech businesses. You know, in the past, people have said that technology companies are all based in Shoreditch. That's definitely not true anymore. And you can see them all over London. But we filled the space, you know, in, in record time. And we were amazed at how quickly we've, we've managed to fill all 50,000 square feet. You're in Bristol as well. Are there any plans for expansion to other... UK regions or globally? Yeah, so um, our plan is to expand to lots of other regions in the UK. So, you know, for us, the regions are really important for a number of reasons. I think the UK as a country is a little bit too London-centric. It's quite kind of a challenge we've, we've always had. If you look to Berlin or other countries in Europe, sort of Germany, you know, they've got Berlin, they've got Munich, they've got lots of places which you would consider a global city. In the UK, you know, historically, we've only had London. I think the way that connection on the internet and a way that like all of that stuff is changing, is actually you know, enabling cities outside of London to become global cities too. I think for us, like Manchester and Bristol are really poised to to do that. And lots of businesses are actually growing fairly large there, which was something we didn't really see 10 years ago. So we kind of think it's time for the regions to have their kind of heyday, as you would. We opened in Bristol last September. We opened at 88% occupancy. We anticipated opening at, at maybe 25 We've been full ever since we opened and have a, you know, 40 companies wait list for people awaiting for space. So I think that the regions are really changing. Firstly, like lots of people are leaving London. They're leaving London for a better quality of life and for, you know, a slightly slower pace of life and for something more affordable. I've actually seen recently a lot of my peers, you know, move to outside of London and move to places like Bristol. We're also, I think universities are working really hard to keep their graduates. 
And places like Bristol, Manchester, a lot of technical people are leaving universities and they make perfect people to hire for startups because there's actually good good talent in these cities. And so there's also a lot of encouragement from universities to start businesses, which probably wasn't the case 10 years ago. So people are really building businesses straight out of university. There's a lot of incubators. And we're really focused on not space for super early stage businesses, but on that grow on space, which, you know, 10 years ago, you, you probably would have got to 10 people and really needed to move your business to London. And it might have been a challenge to fundraise, to find flexible space and to grow a team in smaller towns. But that's totally changing. And Runway East is aiming to support that across the UK. That's great. That's really, really good news for the regions. At this stage, we'll maybe mention the Brexit word and how your startups are affected. I don't know whether you have businesses that are European rather than um, UK based, but do you anticipate they'll be affected by Brexit? You know, our anticipation is that everyone will be affected by Brexit. Hopefully it's a short term effect. I think the, you know, the key things that where it really hits startups hard is access to talent because previously like a lot of talent has been coming from the EU and at the moment that is not very attractive either for people you know someone living in Spain isn't currently thinking oh why don't I move to England you know I know that our startups are really struggling to hire from that pool so I think if the UK can make access to visas across the board for other countries simpler that should go a long way to helping that challenge. Now, just turning to investment, uh, one of the things uh, you do at Runway East is to provide support for your businesses, which includes access to investment and connecting with a range of VCs and angel investors. How do you do that? So over the years, we've built a network of over 100 VCs and investors in London. And on a monthly basis, we host events and we host office hours where we connect directly investors to entrepreneurs. We also have an investor digest where once a month we send an update to all of our investors with how our startups are doing, who's fundraising, what's going on. And on the back of that, we make around 20 connections a month between companies looking to fundraise and investors who could potentially be interested. Now, you've said you're not um, a real estate company, but obviously you have quite a lot of interaction with the world of real estate. Do you think that the traditional real estate market understands the shift in how people are working and how to work with startups or are we not quite there yet? Real estate companies have made some good strides. I think, you know, leases are shortening, operators are becoming more flexible, they're thinking more about the customer, they're baking data into into what they do. And it's definitely shifting. But I think, you know, one of the things that we do is we partner directly with landlords, their property businesses, and that's where their expertise lies. And our expertise lie in building a network, building communities um, and helping startups grow. And that's why we work directly with them to, to support them in that. One of the things that's come up in, um, in the research that's been done in real estate recently is there is a bit of a language gap between real estate and the tech sector. Do you find that exists and are you a, a bridge Previously to Runway East, my like whole career has been in technology and the kind of tech world is a very collaborative um, environment. And, you know, you go to events and everyone's chatting, sharing ideas, sharing numbers, sharing data between companies. And, you know, you, it would be common to know your competitors and to be kind of friendly with them. So when I first kind of entered the property world, as you will, I found that quite an interesting experience where actually property is quite a, a closed environment, a very black book type systems kind of archaic like back of handshake type industry 
I think that is definitely changing, but that's historically kind of been how it is. So it's definitely an adjustment and I think that will continue to change over time. Good. <laughs> that's, that's definitely yeah, moving in the right direction. What do we need to encourage more diversity? Because 20% of tech founders are female, which is not a very high number. And in real estate, only 15% of the property and construction workforce are women. Um, what can be done to actually get more women into tech and get more women starting new, new businesses? I can speak for the technology founders at Runway East and ICE. And I think looking at the statistics, only 2% of venture capital goes to females. You know, there's a lot of theories around why that is and why that's historically been the case. And I think something that some really interesting research has been done recently, which suggests that one of the reasons why females actually raise less money is because we ask men promotion questions and we ask females prevention questions. So if you take an example of of a house, a VC, and this goes for both female and male VCs asking a potential um, founder, would ask a man a question like, how big will you build your house? And a man will, you know, will tend to respond with a promotion focused answer. But what actually happens is we tend to ask women prevention focused questions. Um, So the example would be, instead of how big will you build your house, we'd ask how will you protect your house from burglars? And then when you're asked a prevention-focused question, you tend to respond with a prevention-focused answer. Like, we will install CCTV and we will... But actually, and this is what tends to lead to people perceiving often women-led businesses um, in a more negative light because the minute someone, anyone, either sex, answers with a kind of um, prevention-led answer, we perceive it naturally, psychologically, in in a kind of negative way. We need to move away from the gender bias of what we assume women will do and what we assume men will do. Yes, it's difficult to know how. I mean, it's been suggested that we, I mean, VC investors should apply some sort of diversity quotas, but um, I don't know what you think about that. (laughs) It could be a way to go. I think women want to feel like they achieved something not because they were a quota, but because they deserved it. I definitely have been on the receiving end of um, getting an invite to something and being like, oh, we really needed to um, get more girls along. And I've I've always taken the invite quite gladly (laughs) Um, because often it's to quite exciting stuff. But in the back of your mind, you're always like, okay, I'd rather be invited because you think I'm valuable to be there, not because you needed to get another girl on the agenda. Yes, that happens. And do you find, I mean, one of the things that, that people say is that women lack the confidence, that uh, men are more confident about what they're doing. And I suppose if you've got a completely new idea, you've got to have a lot of confidence because you know people will criticise you and say, well, it's not been done this way before, so why would it work? So do you find that the women that you've got working in your locations are less confident than the men? Or I mean, for the Runway East team, I would say quite the opposite because... Um, <laughs> Our uh, sales and marketing team is quite female-based um, and our like finance and ops team is quite male-based. And actually, they tend to be, characteristic-wise, the more like calm, passive. And our, the girls that are doing sales and marketing actually tend to be the more confident, outgoing people. So I think I don't think that traits are female or male. But yeah, often we do find that some women can have quite like calmer personalities. And often it's seen in business that men are like the outgoing. But I don't think that's true at all anymore. And I think that's something that's shifted and especially not true of the runways team no well i i did um ask somebody how they would describe you and um they oh, said yeah. a force of nature <laughs> <laughs> so you're obviously you're not a shrinking violet clearly no um do you think that's a fair assessment how would you describe yourself um 
how do I describe myself? Quiet. <laughs> um, outspoken. <laughs> I don't know how I'd describe myself. I think we'll stick with force of nature, actually. I think that's quite good. So how, I mean, you started physics, didn't you? What took you into the startup world initially? So I studied physics because I felt like my teacher at, at school, my physics teacher at school, didn't really think I'd ever amount to anything. And so I thought it was a kind of good kick in the teeth. Don't even know if he knows that I did a physics degree, so I'm not really sure I achieved that goal. What's what's his name? (laughs) I can't even remember his name. But I've always been very, very competitive. um, And I just, I've always quite liked to win. So I'm no longer allowed to play any games at at Runway East. I have to stay out of company games because apparently I just get too competitive. (laughs) And no one wants to see their boss win all the time, (laughs) apart from me. And yeah, I think I I sort of just, I did a physics degree. It really wasn't for me. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. I was terrible at physics at school. It was my worst subject. And I went from there to business school, which suddenly felt like a walk in the park comparatively. And so I guess I felt like, God, this must be for me. Um, I'm clearly, clearly an aspiring business leader because it just seems so easy comparatively to physics. So I went from there, I actually, I went to meet a they had a careers guide at university and the careers guide said oh you're outgoing and you love doing you love planning events you should go be an event manager and after a series of kind of going to meet some event companies I felt like that wasn't really the path for me and I ended up taking a job as a product manager in a startup by a kind of sheer series of very fortunate events and ended up within six months managing a remote development team, building a, a web product and just loved the tech world um, and all the people that I'd met. And, you know, I started going to events, really product-based events and learning all about agile, lean methodology, uh, minimum viable products. And I think the only natural path was to eventually start my own business. Has anybody been a particular role model or an inspiration? It clearly wasn't your physics teacher. <laughs> I think probably our chairman, who my original co-founder at Runway East, Alex, he moved here from the US many moons ago. Um, I'm making him sound old, which he's not going to like. But yeah, he moved here and built a company that was kind of like eBay, but for, you know, kind of commercial industry units um, and listed it on AIM before there was even a kind of tech scene, really. I think he moved here in 96 and he listed it on AIM and since then has been a really active angel investor in the UK. He started the ICE Network back in in 2009 before I met him. And I think he's a real, he is actually a force of nature um, and a real inspiration both to me and, and lots of other people in the tech community. He's really generous with his time and has helped so many people get off the ground, be that via investment or via time helping them structure their business model. I think his passion for the startup community has has always inspired me. In terms of advice, what's the, um, I was going to say, what's the best advice you've been given, but actually what's the worst business advice you've been given? Oh, you get bad business advice every day. And I think when I, my first company, I didn't really know, I didn't really have a strong, a true north. I was sort of, I kept flip-flopping between different business models. And the more advice I'd get, the more I would change our strategy and evolve what we were doing. So I, I think, you know, as a as someone running a business, especially in the early stages, you're going to get so much advice um, and you really need to just weed out what the crap is. Mm. Um, but Alex actually gave me the best piece of business advice I've ever received. And one day we're having a particularly dark day at, at Runway East and things were quite tough at that time. And he said to me, things are never as good or as bad as they seem. And I think that's helped me through a lot of bad times and also kept me grounded through a lot of 
good times. You might have a really good day and remember that even though like really good stuff is happening, like challenges will still come up. <laughs> and I think that is a sound piece of advice that I've kept with me through the highs and the lows. That sounds like a really good one to have on the wall of the um, of the office, really. Do you have any spare time or is it... Well, I know you obviously love what you do. So um, do you take time off and do other things like flying or? So my primary focus in my spare time is ice and building that community and um, running events. I love organising and planning events too and trips and all of the things that go with that. So I kind of consider that fun. And just thinking ahead, obviously the business is expanding very fast 2021, where would you like to be? Our plan for 2021 is to be in eight cities uh, across the UK and home to over 10,000 members. We're looking to partner with landlords in cities like Birmingham, Leeds, Manchester to deliver them an, an upside on their rent. At the moment, the people we're working with, we're typically um, averaging around 30% premium. And what we really want to do is be in those cities, helping those members to raise money, to connect with other cities, to build great teams and to hire excellent, talented people. Um, and we want to do that to keep the UK on the map. I think the tech economy is currently contributing around 130 billion to the UK's GDP. It's around 7% of our economy. And I think that's only going to grow. Um, and we want to help those businesses to be at the forefront of that. Well, there will be a lot of landlords out there listening. So hopefully they'll get in touch. So Natasha, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it really is a whole different world. Fascinating to hear from Natasha on how she's working with the tech startups and entrepreneurs who are already shaping our future. Management Today named her as one of their 35 women under 35, and BizNow have her as one of their 49 women who will shape the future of the industry. So she's most definitely one to watch. But that's it for now. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Please join us for the next Property She podcast interview coming very shortly. The Property She podcast is brought to you by Mishcon Durer in association with the London Real Estate Forum and can be found at mishcon.com slash property she along with all our interviews and programme notes. The podcasts are also available to download on your Apple podcast app and on Spotify and whatever podcast app you use. And please do continue to let us have your feedback and comments and most importantly suggestions for future guests and of course you can follow me on twitter at property she for a very regular commentary on all things real estate prop tech and the built environment 